Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South podcast. It is Tuesday, May 1st. Well, at least it is while we're recording this. I am Connor O'Gara. He is Chris Marler. None of us are number one picks, but Baker Mayfield is a number one pick. We found that out. Brown's yeah. going with Baker. Love it. Absolutely love it. No, I, I'm actually kind of indifferent on it. I know like we're supposed to have opinions one way or another. I have no idea how it'll go, but Baker Mayfield surprises everyone as the number one overall pick in the 2018 NFL draft. So I love it because I love Baker Mayfield. I got to give a quick shout out. And we talked talked about this before because I thought it was going to be Josh Allen just from like all the hype surrounding him. And I thought Darnold, it just had kind of like worn off like, like his little, the shine of him had kind of like worn off a little bit. Did not think Baker was going to be that far up there. Buddy of mine, avid listener to the pod, done podcasts with him before in the past. My buddy Tyler Huck, last year, talking sports on our podcast, he said, I can't wait until Baker Mayfield is going to be selling insurance next year. Oh, my goodness. He the, is coldest it takes. <laughs> the coldest it Oof. takes. But, no, it was crazy because it was like you kind of – I mean, he doesn't have the measurables. He's got a great arm. But you kind of were surprised even him, like, sneaking into the first round and then sneaking in the top half of the first round. And then, lo and behold, though, like, I told you this the day of the draft. You know how I love Vegas. Now I love my odds. No, I love, you? I just, it's so fascinating. It's just so fascinating. And it's just, it's, I don't know. I just, I, I love it. But the odds on, like, the prop bets for Baker being drafted, number one overall, the day before the draft, it was 12 to 1. Baker. He was second to Darnold. The day of the draft, it dropped to even. And there you go. Vegas called it. You know what's weird is I think about that Rose Bowl, and if he had won that game and played in a national championship, played against Alabama, would he have been a consensus number one pick? The way that this all developed and the way that That's you just question. had a good chance to look at his body of work, he could have been the consensus number one pick had he gone to the national championship, had he beat Alabama and did essentially what Deshaun Watson did, which was why, Ugh. in the eyes of many people, he deserved to be the number one overall pick. Of course, well, he was Also, wasn't. you got to think that Watson did it two years in a row. Right. And, and Watson was mediocre at best throughout. The, I, 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 like, I have one of my best friends is a huge Clemson fan, Bill Mayers, and, and we go to a game every year, like I've told you before on here. I love Clemson. Great atmosphere. He, I couldn't have been less impressed with Watson the whole year. I didn't think he should have been a Heisman finalist. He had, I think he had 15 interceptions. He did what what Sam Darnold did in many ways, except yeah. he also beat Alabama and had that postseason run with right. it. Different players, of course. We're, look, we're talking about different skill sets, and it's just totally different when you go off against Alabama twice. It's one thing right. to do it one time, but the fact that he did it twice solidified his body of work, in my opinion. I would didn't have do loved... the same for... Uh... Why am I drawing a blank? Nick uh, Nick Marshall, because Nick Marshall put up like 620 yards against Bama one well, the year. Well, co- the combination of it all obviously plays yeah. plays into it. But yeah, Baker Mayfield, uh, had he been able to get through Georgia, had his defense not allowed 54 points and been the squib atrocious. Kick. The squib kick was the key in that game. That's what I, lost that entire game. And, and I tell you, as a Bama fan, I don't want to play Oklahoma. I damn sure don't want to play Baker Mayfield. Yeah, that the the chain of events that 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 game had, and then you know potentially with Tua coming in, and is is he having to come in if they're playing Oklahoma, and who knows like the way that the chain of events like would they have yeah. been so offensively? Would no, Alabama I would have much rather play a run heavy offense like Georgia than I would have had to play Oklahoma. No, exactly. and that's not a slight to them. And like and Fromm did pretty well against Bama. It had like that huge we talk about all the time that bomb, the like eighty four yard touchdown in the third quarter. I, but like, yeah, Baker with with that tight end, and then like the running backs, and like that freshman receiver, and you know the Outland Trophy at left tackle. I, I don't want, I don't want any of that. Would have been really incredible to see. Everybody's going to be following this so closely. That was the headliner on last Thursday night. But the 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 boring storyline of the draft, at least, was that once again the SEC has the most draft picks of any other conference. It's right. the twelfth straight year that that happened. Twelve straight years. That's yeah. a seventh grader. That's crazy. That is a seventh grader. That's I mean, like 2006. 2006 was the last time they didn't have the most players drafted. I mean, so it's every SEC coach, every SEC coach has, you know, has at least every SEC program has at least gone through one coaching change in that stretch. So it's not right. just an Alabama thing. You know, you could take away Alabama, and yes, the numbers would take a dent. But this is an SEC wide thing. I mean, you had every single SEC team except Kentucky have a player come off the board by the end of the fourth round. Like, right. That's crazy. Right. I mean, we, we talked about this, like, like you know, beforehand. 
what was going on in 2006. Like, just, just to throw that out there and, like, put that in perspective, here's a few things that were happening in 2006. The last time the SEC didn't have the most draft picks. Right. Hannah Montana debuted on the Disney Channel. Miley was, was still Hannah Montana. A little overrated, uh, though. Very overrated. But, yeah. but, like, not only was she still Hannah Montana, but she was making her debut as Hannah Montana. Wow. Let's see. Mark Zuckerberg's Facebook expands all over the U.S. Yep. Let's. That was after the draft, too. I think that was in, like, September of 2006 or something like that. But yeah, I think I got it in 2005, but that was like that. They were celebrating their first year. Dick right. Cheney shot himself. Ooh, I remember that. Yeah, there's that. Donald Trump and Rosie O'Donnell began their feud. Wow, that's, that's, yeah. that seems like a really, really long time ago for both of them. And last but not least, the worst thing that ever happened to this country and comedy in general, Borat came out. Yeah, that. speaking of overrated, Borat if you, was if you, a little just, much. If you ever run into me in person, like, to, like any of our listeners, like I would love to meet you guys. And you know, like I, I do comedy still and, and love stand-up. But if, if you ever just find it in yourself that you've you want to do a Borat impression, like if the situation arises, please don't. Don't. Just, just absolutely don't. And that goes not just for me, just in general, like in your day-to-day life. If you ever like feel that start coming up out of you, just don't. Bury it down, deep down, where no one can hear it ever again. It's never worth it. The fact that we were able to move on from that, I think, was a big hurdle for our society. That and then movie, you have the SEC to thank for that. Yes, exactly. The SEC winning the draft all these years in a row has taken the attention off Borat. Thank God. Yeah, it, it needed to happen. Tim Tebow hadn't played a college football game yet. Here's another crazy thing. That's Nick, crazy. Nick Saban, Urban Meyer got combined right now. I mean, they have nine rings, right? At the time, yes, is that, yeah, yeah, nine, yeah, I think yeah, you're it's right. Nine. At the time, they had a combined one ring that was saving at LSU. Oh wow, that's true. Because the and next, I guess, and the very next was about season, to win his, yeah, yeah, the very next season was one of his crazier times. So that that's how long ago that we're talking about this this draft streak because it gets thrown out there as a tweet at the end of every single draft, and we sort of overlook it because it's like, yeah, it's the SEC, it's what you expect. Right, twelve years and it's not just a team's amount of teams thing as Danny Cannell has argued if you break down draft pick per team the SEC still wins that argument and that's something that I don't think people have really really like grasped how incredible that is do it over 12 years and just not have one year off we thought maybe 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 this could be a year off had all Clemson's players come out that we thought it gets a little bit closer Uh, I mean yeah I think part of that has to do with like people there is like a little bit of SEC fatigue, and, and people are tired of hearing about it. But like, 100%. you have to give them. You know, it's like I said, thing, same thing with uh, with Canel. Like, you have to give credit where, where credits due. You can't just be like a hater on one thing all the time and not give any kind of like props. Like, you know, when it actually is due. But I mean, twelve years in a row, twelve years. And it'd be one thing. Like, then you have like the argument I saw on Twitter this past weekend, which was, yeah, when they're all bust when they get there. I'm like, well, not, I mean, Bama's had a lot of, of people. Like, they've had a lot of players that. People have considered busts, like McLean. Trent Richardson still blows my mind. Thought that uh, Mark Barron was going to be one. Now he's a, he's a great linebacker for the Rams. But, like, they they also have the most players, or I guess former players, on the NFL Top 100 that just came out. Yeah, that that's that stat is impressive to, to think about as well. And the numbers are going to be in the SEC's favor because you have more candidates to pick from. But at the same right. time... You know, this isn't just a fluke thing. And the SEC has won eight of the last 12 national championships. It's not like this is just something where it's SEC bias and you're just saying, yeah, we're going to pick the SEC team because that's just what we're going to do. Right. All the numbers reflect it. And if you want to deny the numbers and pull up some random stat about it, the SEC hasn't had as many top five picks. Whatever. You can go ahead and do that. Rohan Smith was the first (laughs) SEC player to take. Yeah. And and that's one thing that always has bothered me, too. And this is like, I'm not trying to sound like a homer for the SEC or for BAM. It's like that. Because I've told you before, I don't, I I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this, but like, I'm not a huge pull for the other SEC guy. So you're not not, chanting SEC, SEC. I'm not chanting SEC, SEC. Now, I love it. And like, you know, especially like this time of year with the podcast, stuff like that, I'll defend the SEC. But when it's in season, just to be 100% honest, yeah, I'm not. I'm not pulling for my team, like my team's rival, because it doesn't help my team. Bowl season? Nope. <laughs> I hope. I hope most of them lose because that doesn't help where my. I want my team to go. Hot take. Just you, saying. You heard it here first. Chris Marler hates your team. Everyone. <laughs> just during the season. I respect all the other teams, and I want. I want them to be. You know, theoretically, I want everyone to be great, and it's good. It's good for the conference as a whole. But like, yeah, don't hurt my team doing it. Well, then it balances out because I don't have a team, so I love it. 
I love everyone's yeah. team, so I guess there we're you, if you, Also, balance. if you're playing Ohio State, I'll pull for, you, I'll pull for anyone over Ohio State. I uh, figured that was coming. So, you know, all these SEC players that come off the board, despite the fact that Roquan Smith was the first SEC pick taken at number eight overall, went to the Chicago Bears. Very excited about that as a Bears fan. I will say that I'm Ooh. a Bears fan. I know I, you know, whatever. I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. No one, no one cares. Nobody actually <laughs> no cares about that. No one's going to be offended that. by you saying that. Okay. I just hope nobody's offended by that. They better not be. But yeah, I was excited to see that as a Bears fan. But you had 10 SEC players come off the board in the first round. And right. I don't know if there was a single surprise. I mean, we, we get fatigued with so, all the mock drafts and stuff. But was there any big surprise? And we talked about this too. Like, I... I was a little bit and I was a little bit surprised about Sony coming in in the first round, but also wasn't because I think he's that kind of talent. I think he's going to be outside of Saquon. I think he's going to have a, the best career out of any of the running backs in this class. I think he's that good, and I think he's suited. He's better suited for the NFL. Frank Ragnow, the center from Arkansas, that was the surprise for me because when you look at like again Vegas, and I hate to harp on this, but they set the line for SEC first rounders in the or SEC picks in the first round at eight. So you got to have some kind of surprise in there. And I think out of all 10, that would probably be the biggest surprise for me. I think he's Pro Football Focus's top-rated center. He had yeah. Pro Football Focus's top-rated seasons for a center each of the last two years, like ever. That's, that's great. And like, and the, the kid from Ohio State's good as well. But like, and I know Ryan Kelly went first a couple years ago, and you have like the Pouncey twins. I, like, I know they went pretty high, but like, are you really spending a first-round draft pick? Are you really that good everywhere else on your team? That you can you can have you have the luxury of drafting a center first round, a little bit of a surprise, a little bit, but not incredibly shocking because the analytics loved him. I think he was a guy that yeah. allowed one sack in his entire college career. He allowed like one pressure all of last year, wow. not even a sack. I mean, that's that's, that's how good he was. As much as Arkansas struggled and he had you know his share of injury issues, you know that's how good he was when he was on the field. Yeah. He's got the size, he's got the measurables. So I wouldn't even I don't even know if I'd really consider that like a surprise. Right. The biggest surprise might have just been the fact that Darius Geis wasn't in the first round and that he fell out yeah. to where he fell. I was surprised at the running backs that were chosen, not only ahead of him, but as early as they were. Now, like Nick Chubb is one of my favorite players to watch ever from Georgia. I love Nick Chubb. I mean, he's he's like so big and physical, but he also has the speed to beat you on the outside. And I, I was shocked, though, that he went that high because I thought it was like a no-brainer. Cleveland needs a running back. They didn't take Saquon. They're going to probably take Geis, first pick of the third round or the second round. They picked Chubb. Love it. Because I love Nick Chubb. Not to say I don't like Darius Geis. I'm just, you know, I was a little bit surprised. But then to see Carryon Johnson go that high. Yeah, to Detroit. That was Yeah. I didn't I didn't I wasn't necessarily sure that he would go that high just because as great as Carryon Johnson was, and don't get me wrong, he's a tremendous, tremendous talent. But usually when running backs go that high, they are freaks athletically. Right. And I think some people sort of question whether or not he's on that level just because that's not his style. He's shifty. Yeah. He does a lot of things in the backfield. Can beat you in space. He can, Exactly. And I don't know if he is necessarily the first round build that's not to say he can't have an incredible career he very well might right. but that was a little bit surprising too to see all these guys coming off the board Rashad Penny coming off the board in that the first ridiculous. round that was ridiculous now I will say with with uh with Carrion Johnson one thing that and I, I joke around about it because it seemed like in bigger games against like good like defenses and like and like solid front sevens he did have what, like a, what I refer to as like a Big Ten game, where it's like 28 carries for yep. 103 yards. You're like, yep. all right, like not that, not that impressed. But he does have a little bit of Le'Veon Bell to him, where he can sit back behind that offensive line. Not that he's like super small, but then like wait and be patient, pick his holes, and then dart through, and then you know pick up an extra four, five, six yards. That's the comp, and of course, Le'Veon Bell wasn't a first-round pick. In hindsight, absolutely, he would be. He cuts out yeah. some weight and shifted what he, ironically enough, nice choice of verbs there. He changed his style, I think, to to be a little bit more conducive to the NFL to work with his skill set. But yeah, like six running backs coming off the board ahead of yeah. Darius Geis, and the entire night two of the draft was just, why is Darius Guy slipping? What are the character issues? What are we hearing about this blow up in this front office? What are we hearing about him playing, wanting to play video games instead of go to NFL <laughs> meetings? Like, and that's fair, because video games are awesome. But, I'll agree I mean, with you on that. I think video <laughs> games, this is the overrated podcast. I think video games in general are kind of overrated. Good God, That's Connor, a funny take, I know. It's just, it's unbelievable sometimes. Video games are awesome. Yeah. That being said, to go to a job interview, 
that, that's of this magnitude, probably just want to go to the job interview. Probably want to put it on pause. Probably. Come back and get your Capri Sun or your Mountain Dew Code Red later and, you know, some pizza rolls. But you have time. <laughs> I, I, I was, like, I defended him on the on the podcast last, last week and, you know, like, there's a couple things that get heated on, or that I get heated about sometimes on here. Like, the domestic violence thing got me heated. The him being called like having that he had character issues with his upbringing that pisses me off just because like i'm familiar with the kind of you know upbringing that like he kind of came with which was you know kind of being on his own like single parent like father was murdered father was murdered when he was a kid i didn't have that in common but yeah i mean like it's like you know i i always have like a soft spot for these kids that have like a pretty tough upbringing that's tough to deal with and i was i was defending him last week but then when it came out this week that it was like situation after situation after situation it sounds like there's probably more than anything just some maturity issues because it's when it's time to like you know put the helmet on and and lace them up and get it like you know on the field there's not an issue at all he's he's right what, what he has like three of the top five 250 yard rushing games he was, in the history of the sec he right he's the first player in sec history to have three 250 yard rushing games that is absurd so he can go off i mean he is that guy i don't know if anybody's doubting who he is on the field Especially now that he fell this low, right. I mean, a guy who already runs angry is going to run pretty angry. I think when yeah. he gets to the NFL, the, I I kind of go. I could see both sides of this, and I know that that might come off like we we defend the players a lot. And I, if I'm Darius guys, I'm saying exactly what he said, and I'm upset that there are these things that are coming out about me, stuff that may be true, maybe not true, and I'm not getting clarity on this because all I know is I've never been suspended for a college game. Right. I've never had any failed drug tests. Guys that in this draft, Antonio Callaway, we're going to get to him a little bit later. Yeah have done a lot worse stuff than I ever have been even rumored to be doing. And here I am falling and losing all, out on all of this money because of hearsay. And I'd be frustrated. I'd be, I'd be so, so frustrated to deal with that. But if I'm a front office and I'm drafting a skill player in the first two rounds and my future is dependent on this and I have to go through every little detail of this kid's life to make sure that he is going to be the right fit because when you're drafting a skill player, he's not just a defensive tackle that you're throwing in there and mm-hmm. saying you're surrounded by three other guys. Right. You are saying we are gonna make, make you one of the faces of our organization, yeah. we're gonna pay you millions of dollars, we're gonna put you on our, on our billboards, we're gonna put you on our programs, all of that stuff comes with it when you're a skill player that's taken that early. Oh, and also scoring the points to win the games for us. That's yeah, a that, big, that's big, pretty big responsibility too. you're gonna have. Pretty Important We're going to need you to focus in. If we have a guy who, if you don't get the right vibe, you have the right as a front office to say, this isn't the guy that we want to pay millions of dollars to right. be one of the faces of our organization. So I see both sides of it. It just sucks that it played out like this. That's that's the bottom line that it comes yeah. down to. Whether this is true, whether it's not true, it sucks that a kid had to go through that frustrating draft process where he showed up to draft night on night one, was in the green room, and then didn't stay for the night for the second night. This is supposed to be the best moment it's of the kid's life. It's always the most life. awkward thing. Oh, that's <laughs> so awkward. And you feel terrible. Like watching Lamar Jackson sit there and sweat that out was like, oh man, just uh, somebody pick him. So and I made a joke about this, and I was like, like I, I did that article last week about the the NFL draft drinking game, and one of them was like, finish your drink and avoid eye contact with anybody that shows up to sit in like the green room first day and doesn't get drafted, because it's kind of funny sometimes. And then, like in in principle, in theory, it's funny, like oh man, it's such an awkward situation. But then you have to watch it live, and you're like, oh my god, this oh, is awful. It's not funny at all. It's the worst. I, I recently watched a documentary on why, like, the 2005 draft when Aaron Rodgers was just sitting there. And that was back in the day when they really, like, played it up. Like, they would show him constantly. Oh, yeah. And he's just sitting there sweating bullets because he was supposed to be the number one pick. That was the same draft that, that Cadillac Williams and Ronnie Brown both came off the board in the top five. Top five, yeah. Crazy. And, and Aaron Rodgers yeah. was just sitting there. I feel bad for, for a kid that has to go through that. Uh, another kid who slipped later than he wanted to. You gotta to. feel bad for a guy like Aaron Rodgers. You really do. Oh, I know. Yeah, just so terrible. Especially, you know, now as an out there, out in the open Bears fan, I feel so bad for that guy. Right. <laughs> Watching Christian Kirk sit through the first round, he was at home, Ugh. at home back in Arizona. He had the the tweet, of course, with all those pizzas around him and stuff, and that was so great. And then he had like a tweet after the first day. I can't remember exactly what he said, but basically like. I see what's going on. Like I'm, I'm gonna be ready to go. I love that attitude. I love that he went in the middle of the second round of the Cardinals. He gets to work with Larry Fitzgerald, and yeah, that's that dude huge. is gonna be in great shape. I mean, so I still say, now like being in Atlanta, and like I'm, like, I'm a Falcons fan. I was happy to see Ridley go to the Falcons. I still say Kirk's the best receiver in the draft. I'd have a tough time arguing that he isn't. And uh, you know, I heard one, one. Uh, 
was either a radio show or a podcast last week, and they were talking about it, and I forgot who was breaking it down, but it was you know, an NFL guy that had been kind of breaking down his tape. And, and one thing that I think got lost with us is, especially this past year, he kind of had to do it all for that team. Absolutely. And you know, his body type and like his skill set, he's more of a natural slot guy. But he had to play on the outside in that offense. I think he's going to have a lot more opportunities to kind of play his game, you know, like once he gets to the NFL. I, I would rather play on the outside. There's no chance I would want to be going over the middle at any, at any level. Well, Larry Fitzgerald plays all over the place, and he's going to show him how to do just that. Right. Larry Fitzgerald has made a living in the slot on the outside. doesn't matter. He's, yeah. he's University he's, of Phoenix commercials, a lot of stuff. <laughs> he's the NBA equivalent of like a Kevin Durant or a LeBron James, a guy who doesn't have a position in my right. – like in my opinion, he, you go on Except the field receiver. and he's any, any receiver. I, I love DJ Moore a lot too, and I think that's going to be awesome to see what he does with Cam Newton yeah. because I think people have been sleeping on DJ Moore the last couple of years. So I was glad to see that he was the first receiver taken off the board. If somebody had made Christian Kirk the first receiver off the board, I would have no problem with that. I yeah. just hate, I hate, hate, hate this notion that if you're not six feet tall as a receiver, you're right. not worth it. Like two best receivers in the NFL, Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham, not six feet what? tall. Not six what? feet tall. Hold on. Are you saying that Odell Beckham is one of the best receivers in the NFL? Yeah, that's He's, like a pretty consensus opinion. I disagree completely. You don't think Julio's on that list? I think Julio is – as somebody who's been a fantasy owner of Julio the last four years, oh, wow. no, I actually don't think that Julio is one of so the two best. So it's crazy that you you don't like video games, but fantasy is how you would bring up your analysis of how Julio would not be a top topic, especially when Odell Beckham was out for the entire year last year. No, I'd still – but if I'm if I'm going to take one of them on my team right now, I'd, I'd, I'd take – because you've had injury in, issues with Julio too. Julio has played banged up for the last three, four years of his career. He played. <laughs> yeah, he still even, played. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I want to top two receiver in the NFL. He's a top two or top three? Top two receiver in the NFL. Is, Antonio uh, Brown outrageous. and Odell Beckham are top two. Yes. I think he caught, I caught, he caught lightning in a bottle. He's a great receiver. He's a top five guy, sure. I think he caught lightning in a bottle because of the fact that he had that one freakish catch on the go, Sunday night game. Go back and look at his numbers. He had like the most receptions of any NFL player Julio in the history of the league for the first two years. For, for, okay. Did you did you keep up with any of Julio's numbers besides his fantasy touchdown numbers? Because they didn't give him the ball inside the t- like the ten and twenty. Well, Matt Ryan's also trash, but that's another. What subject. are you talking? He was the NFL MVP two years ago. Exactly, and that was his one good Eli year. Manning is, you know, Eli Manning is a much better quarterback. I would I could agree with that. But also, I see what you're saying. Like the the six feet and under, sure. But also, you look at the I guess, and according to you, I would hope you would have these two next on your list. Otherwise, we probably have to stop the podcast right now. But the third and fourth, maybe best receivers in the NFL would be A.J. Green and Julio Jones are both over 6'4". Right. So I kind of no, see where they're I coming agree. from with it. No, I mean, I Antonio Brown is a freak of nature. The fact that he's constantly open is mind-blowing to me. Christian but Kirk, constantly if, open. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, like that's in the SEC West right now, but we'll see. True. We'll see how it goes in the NFL. All right. Speaking of receivers, a guy who, oh, man, I did not think was going to get drafted. I'll be 100% honest. When Antonio Callaway's name was called in the – beginning of the fourth round by the Cleveland Browns, I wasn't sitting in a chair, but if I was, I probably would have fallen out of it. Right. That was that shocking to me, the fact that he had a failed drug test, dilute sample at the combine, admitted to smoking weed a couple weeks before the combine. This is a guy who has already had two different marijuana incidents at Florida. He had the sexual assault incident that was dropped after he, his defense was that I quote, I was too stoned to have sex with this woman. Now, this is just that's not something to maybe laugh about, but that is one of the most oh my hilariously bad <laughs> excuses ever to I, ever give. Can you imagine someone being like, hey, you're in a lot of trouble here. Did you have sex with this woman? No chance, dude. I was way too high off illegal drugs to have oh done that. God. And <laughs> like, oh, by the way, I was suspended for the entire 2017 season because he was involved in a credit card fraud scandal. Basically, Dan Mullen was like, nah, don't, don't Maybe worry, they don't like come him back. for his honesty, though. I oh mean, what he's gosh. doing is pretty dishonest and mischievous, but like, he, he admits to it, maybe? I don't know. People keep giving him chances because, as Todd McShay said, without the off the field stuff, he's a first round talent. And to me, another guy who's not six feet tall. But this frustrates me so much. If it frustrates me to think that a guy keeps getting chance after chance after chance and blowing yeah. it. And if he's that bad in college, what in the world is he going to do when he gets millions of dollars and he's got Josh Gordon in that room? Just saying. Probably smoke some weed. Just to be honest. I mean, just to be honest. I don't. Oh, gosh. 
Like, only I, I the mean, Browns, right? Only the Browns. But see, like, and you said this, you were like, I, I was shocked that the Browns took him because of the stuff with Josh Gordon. And I was like, yeah, I could see that. But at the same time, also not shocked at all. Just because yeah. it's just Cleveland just out Cleveland's himself every year. I hope Antonio Callaway gets his life figured out and he does prioritize. Let me make that perfectly clear. But I find it frustrating when guys get shots and shots and shots all over again and they just keep messing up and they have yeah. done nothing to affirm that their good faith that people have put in them is actually worth anything. That's my problem with it. Like Odell Beckham Jr. and his off-the-field issues? I'm just saying, top two receiver in the NFL. Hot it's take. Out, outrageous. <laughs> the first and only SEC quarterback that who came off the board was Danny Etling? Okay. But like, and we say it because like we're surprised because it, you think hey, we're you surprised? You should see the broadcast crew. First and foremost, tip of the cap to LSU. LSU, a team that we just rag all the time about how how oh, awful they are on offense. They had the number one uh, quarterback taken the draft. And I'm, if I'm looking back at it, do they have the most quarterbacks taken the past couple years? I mean, they had no, Zach Mettenberger. That's it. That's it. And yeah, then Jamarcus before that. So. I think I'm pretty uh, sure. Yeah, I, I'm sure you're wrong about that. Last week you said the Browns hadn't taken a first round a quarterback in the first round. It was Manziel. I corrected myself. It was also t- in the top uh, ten. What's his name from uh, from Notre Dame? Brady Quinn. In the top <laughs> ten, that was my my okay. corrected. No, but, I mean, yeah. Tweet. Shout out to LSU and that that high powered offense that, that you know, they just put out NFL NFL prospects. So I was watching I was watching the ESPN broadcast of this, and um, when Danny Etling gets taken by the Patriots. Immediately, it, it shocked the ESPN crew so much. Like, they were thrown off. I was surprised they even had vid- video of Danny Etling. Right. Not just him getting sacked. <laughs> or handing off to guys. Right. Handing off to guys would be the more appropriate thing. So, like, on the, broad- on the broadcast, all of a sudden, Trey Wingo says, you know, the Patriots a few years back took a certain quarterback from Kent State, and they turned him into a slot receiver. That guy was Julian Edelman. Do you think they maybe have some Julian Edelman-type plans for Danny Etling? And I was like, oh my gosh. No. No, they don't. I can tell you that right now. They absolutely do not. Okay, now Julian Edelman, not over six feet. Do you think he's the third best receiver in the NFL? Get out of here with that. Get out of here. Yeah, that was that was mind-blowing. That was absolutely mind-blowing. And so, like, I've said some dumb stuff in my life, but that was like... Uh. <laughs> and it was really awkward too because here they've been bashing they've pretty much been bashing the passing game of LSU the entire time like when DJ Chark got drafted they're like oh well he didn't have anybody to throw in the ball Russell Gage gets drafted oh well he played in a limited passing offense Darius Geis comes off the board oh well he saw eight man nine man fronts the entire time right and LSU's quarterback comes off the board in the seventh round and it's like oh maybe Etling will end up doing one of two things maybe Etling will one, he'll never play because Brady's going to play until he's like 61 years old. But maybe he'll end up being a great backup and shine in like two or three, I don't know, preseason games and then get like a $28 million contract for another team like Garoppolo did. I don't well, know Garoppolo if he's that was a good. Round, Garoppolo was a second round pick. Shout sure. out to the Northwest suburbs of Chicago, by the way. Jimmy G in the house. Oh, my God. Big fan. He actually went to. He played. Uh, he played his high school football in my in my conference. Fun fact. That's Jimmy cool. G, Jimmy G is much better than Danny Etling. We, I, yeah, I feel pretty doubt. good about saying that. And I. I mean, we're not trying to like harp on Etling. What was I think the, the the weirdest part for me watching an SEC quarterback get drafted was that it wasn't Allen from Arkansas because I thought that was the best kid. Second year in a row, or maybe two of the past three years, where I thought that him and his brother were the best two prospects coming off that board, but they had small hands. One was trying to stretch their hands out, make them bigger, which I thought was pretty cool. Smart move. But other than that, what was the saddest part was Danny Etling does get drafted, and that's great. The one knock, well, not the one knock, but one of the knocks in the SEC, especially when it comes to like players in the NFL, is that there's no elite quarterback play, and that's why people don't take them seriously in like, you know, their conference, and they're, like, they're overrated, and blah, blah, blah. Like, guys like Colin Coward and like people out west and stuff like that. I, I will say... It was a little bit, it was funny, but also probably bad for the conference uh, as a bad look that J.K. Scott and Daniel Carlson, a kicker and a punter, were both drafted um, several rounds before the first SEC quarterback was taken. Four of the six specialists that came off the board in the draft were from the SEC, so apparently and punting that's and great. kicking means more, too. That would be something like to you know hang our hat on if it didn't mean that that was before the quarterback was taken. LSU, I really hope they had one of those graphics, one of those brag draft graphics. Oh, God. Where they had Danny Etling. Quarterback you. 
Danny Etling, yeah, like quarterback, <laughs> you only quarterback in the SEC drafted. That'd be so great. Danny Etling, Zach Mettenberger, Jamarcus Russell, quarterback Rohan Davey, quarterback you. And they show like the amount of money that they made in the NFL, and it's just yeah. all Jamarcus Russell's contract. <laughs> oh, that would be so great. All right, we got one more thing that I want to get to real quick within the draft. It's, uh, actually, a couple more things. Bo Scarborough nearly went undrafted. I mean, yeah, like, and I love the kid because he's, you know, he did great at Alabama and all that kind of stuff. He's 6'3", about 230 pounds, and he and he run he ran like a four five or something like that. But like, really well at the combine. Yeah, and he's a he's a freak of nature. He's a physical freak, mm-hmm. but he should have came out last year. Like he would have been a first round draft pick at all the mocks. He should have been. A, he should have came out last year. Was he eligible last year? Yeah, he actually. Yeah, he. Well, no. Was he eligible? Because he had that redshirt year with. I think he had, he had academic issues. But he had also just broken his leg in the in the national championship. Oh, game. that's right. That's but right, like that's the thing right. is, I mean, I was shocked that he 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 went so low. But at the same time, like, I mean, he does not look like an NFL running back. Same with Henry, though. And Henry's yeah. doing pretty well. I think the the more surprising thing, it's not that he – it wasn't surprising to me that he fell. We, I saw mock drafts. Yeah, I saw some mock drafts, whatever. I read some. Don't worry about it. That before the combine had him as, like, a six-round pick. And then right. the combine happens, and he looks really good, and he looks yeah. healthy. And people had him as a mid-round pick. And then he ends up actually being a seventh round guy. Right. So what basically that told me was, yeah, Bo Scarborough looks really good in shorts. But the problem is, is that when we go back and we turn on that 2017 film and we turn on pretty much anything that isn't that last month of the season where he went off. I mean, I think his streak started in like the 2016 Iron Bowl. And then basically the next three games, he was he was dominant. Yeah. And. if you look outside of that sample size, it's just too big of a sample size to say, yeah, we're going to take you with a fourth-round pick when we have other needs to address. Well, when he, when he was being like projected in the first round, and McShay was all about it, but when he was being projected in the first round after the 2016 season, what was – I remember telling somebody, and it was like, and I hate this, like just the whole prisoner of the moment type thing that happens to us in sports. And like, I'll give you the baseball example as a Red Sox fan. When the Sox signed Pablo Sandoval because he was the World Series MVP and hit like 460 during the World Series, they signed him to a $95 million contract over five years. He ate all of that contract. He ate all of that contract. And then, you know, he, he did nothing for it. So I'm not saying that Bo's not going to do anything for for like whatever NFL team he goes to. Cowboys. But the, okay, sure. Yeah, oh, that's not good because he's going to be behind Zeke the whole time. If he's lucky, he'll be second string. Yeah. But like at the same time, it's like, you know, I think he was a great running back, but he didn't do he, his highlights. Like he didn't pop off like on tape a lot. Like he he had a few good runs, and but they were they were mainly against Florida in the SEC championship game and Washington in the uh, in the Peach Bowl at the semifinal game. So Bo Scarborough staying healthy in the 2016 title game. God dang it! Is one of the great what ifs in recent memory in college football about the it's chain of just- events that could change after that game. Okay, and I'm glad you brought this up because now I'm now I'm fired up. I'm not and this saying is, just I'm not saying this just is for what, this is what but still blows my mind, and I'll say this until the day I die. And this is, I'm not trying to sound like a homer. That's the best team I've ever seen played out. That's the best team I've ever seen in my lifetime in Alabama. It, in 32 years, best team I've ever seen them have. They scored on special teams. They scored on defense. They scored on offense. They were incredible to watch. They were they were destroying people. I think the margin of victory was like 30 31 points, 33 points. They were incredible. They won and too then, many games by blowouts. They didn't play in enough close games, right? That's probably true. And then you have Kiffin leave after the Washington game, and you have a new offensive coordinator. The the bow thing hurt, but like the ninety nine plays on defense is like like Clemson having ninety nine plays. But you look at that team, and I've tried to let it go. I've tried to let it go and move on and be an adult. And then you see stats like I saw this past weekend, which was the two thousand sixteen defense from Alabama. All eleven starters got drafted. Six of them in the first round. That's bonkers. That's crazy. Think about it too the the bow ramifications if he stays healthy they win that game and Jalen Hurts has a ring and instead of are you going to win us this national championship it's you haven't won us a national championship technically before even though everybody knows he put Alabama in the best position to do so the year prior the potential the ripple effect of that injury being I think 20, is just, 27 and 1 instead of 26 and 2 yeah yeah. It's crazy. We got a little rat poison. Besides besides that, what you just said about the Alabama starters, 11 of them uh, getting drafted. 
By the way, Josh Fraser, sh shout out to Josh Fraser, uh, who yeah. did a piece with us, did an essay with us about his Alabama experience. Alabama backups getting drafted. That's how good Alabama is. That's a little rat poison to tease this rat poison that I had already prepared. And that was that Alabama set a school record and set the SEC record for the modern draft era with 12 draft picks, had twice as many players drafted as every school not named LSU, NC State, Ohio State. Ohio State's the worst. You you have not made any Ohio State friends today. I don't I don't want to. I, I will pull for against them every single game. I'd pull for North Korea over Ohio State. I just I hate Ohio State. They're I the golfed, worst. I golfed uh, 18 holes with an Ohio State grad on Sunday. God, nice guy. I think you would like him. Sure, I bet. Did he keep saying the Ohio State University the whole time? No, the... I also grad. No, he actually didn't say it once. I I also golfed with a with a Tennessee grad too, so it balanced out the Big Ten. There SEC you go. Thing, That's good. So. Found a half a medium. Yeah, some nice little rat poison, though. Just go figure, though, that in a year where I don't even know if that was much of a topic of discussion, whether or not Alabama was going to break this record that they no. had previously tied like four different times. They had 10 players drafted. But the fact that they had 12 players drafted in a year that throughout the season we're trying to figure out Alabama and a lot of these guys, you know, like Scarborough, who might have been the most high-profile player on the team, didn't really come into his own. Calvin Ridley right. slips in the draft a little bit. And some of the guys that we thought were going to be taken even higher didn't pan out, and still, twelve guys drafted. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean it was, and you talk about how Tony Brown didn't even get drafted, and Robert Foster, who was a former five star receiver, he didn't get drafted. But I tell you what, I was almost more impressive than that for me was that five players out of the national championship game went in the first twenty three picks of the draft, and then I think it ended up being six or seven out of the first round. Seven in played the first that round, yeah. Seven in the first round played that national championship game between Georgia and Bama. And, like, I've been saying it for a while. You can just kind of see it slowly transitioning into, you know, Georgia becoming what Bama's been doing. And I'm, and I'm not saying, like, the Bama of the East. I'm saying, like, taking over and doing what Bama's been doing and being that dominant team, you know, maybe even more so than Alabama. With, with their draft class this year. And then, you know, and you look back and it's like, well, they still have the number one recruiting class coming in yep. and, you know, just studs everywhere. You need NFL draft picks to be in a national championship. I went, I was yeah. curious about this. So I broke down the numbers of the last six years or something like that. And it's an average of seven draft picks per national championship participant. Right. So if, you, if you're sitting there with three or four NFL guys, like, forget about it. It's, it's not going to happen. You're not going to win the amount of games that it takes in this current system to play for a national championship unless you, you've got a few on offense, you've got a few on defense, and if you're really good about it, it's just not going to happen. And, no. you know, that's that's maybe the great separator um, in college football and why there are certain teams who compete and, and certain yeah. teams that don't. We remember, like, the 2009 LSU-Bama game, like the, the one that everyone hates on because it was, like, the most boring game of the century ever, and it was 9-6, to six, and it was settled in overtime, all that kind of stuff. One thing people don't ever talk about with that game is – because everyone wants to say it's like a lack of offense. There's no offense, and a lot of it has to do with the quarterback play and blah, blah, blah. Do you know out of the 48 total players on the two deep for LSU and Bama and then including special teams, 44 of those players went on to play in the NFL? Whew. I mean, that's a lot. So, and you can find you can find situations like that for a lot of matchups in the SEC nowadays. So, so maybe not that much, but... <laughs> One of the things that um, that people followed throughout the draft was was UCF and UCF. I think had more more of a presence in the draft. I think they had four players selected. If I'm I don't not care. mistaken, um, <laughs> but the one that the one that stole the show obviously was Shaquem Griffin. Yeah, getting drafted by the Seahawks. He gets to reunite with his brother Shaquille in cool. Seattle. Unbelievable draft moment. One of the coolest things I've ever seen to have them celebrating at the draft together. Yeah. ESPN had chronicled their journey throughout. And, you know, even going back to the combine when he doesn't get invited, gets invited and then just sets the record for the 40 time for a linebacker, benches right. 20 reps with a prosthetic hand. Like the story is absolutely incredible right. to think about. It's, I mean, it's going to be made into a film probably in the next five years. <laughs> Like it, it, it's that good, but like he's he's an incredible player too, and I, I don't yeah. I don't want that to get lost in the shuffle because it's such a feel good story. It's one of the better feel good stories I think we've had in the last decade of college football. But this dude is going to have him. a chance to play. Who isn't going for him? And and for the Seahawks, honestly, and like hopefully once he's there, he can have the opportunity to finally win his first championship ring. Oh, I so that that'd coming. be cool. I knew that was coming. Hey, he's a national champion. He's got that oh in his Wikipedia. He's got that in his Wikipedia page. Did you know that? I mean, he, he doesn't anybody, do his own could, Wikipedia. Okay, page, I'm gonna go change my Wikipedia. I don't think I have a Wikipedia page. But no, you, could, you anybody could write don't. that. No, gosh, that'd be terrible. No, I mean, I, mean I, it, I think it is like we and we talked to you know this morning about this and like it is cool, especially with how 
you know, sports like unify a lot of people and they bring people together, but they also, you know, can be kind of divisive in terms of like, you know, rivalries and stuff like that and, you know, disagreements. I think it's cool that, you know, everyone, everyone's on board with this one. It's, it's a cool thing. If you weren't rooting for him, I'm yeah. sorry. I, I, I can't help you. I, I don't know. If that's if that doesn't inspire you, as Mel Kuyper yeah. said, if, if that's if Shaquem Griffin does not inspire you, check your pulse. Right. I mean, nothing bad to say about the kid. Tremendous, tremendous story. One of the more awkward stories of the weekend was Josh Allen's tweets. Now, his oh, tweets God. before the draft made big, big headlines because of the, you know, racially, you know, the racial slurs and all that was associated with with what he was allegedly tweeting as a, well, not allegedly, what he did tweet as a 14 or 15 year old right. kid. You could take with that what you want. I thought the more the more interesting thing, at least from our standpoint, what we do on a daily basis, was that after he was drafted by the Bills, it's like, okay, you're gonna be able to move on from, from the tweet storm that you had. Oh, by the way, actually, in the 2013 National Championship game, you tweeted about Catherine Webb, who is the wife of A.J. McCarron. Right. A.J. McCarron is going to be in Buffalo. You are going to back him up probably to start the season. And, oh, just in case that wasn't bad enough, you also tweeted about A.J. McCarron's mom saying, uh, A.J. Mc, like McCarron's mom, though, like greater than sign, greater than sign. Like, right. And apparently, like, so he was, he was apparently quoting uh, his friends saying this, but he still tweeted it. And as we know, not the best look to quote your friends it, because it's kind of <laughs> echoing what they're saying. It blows my mind that this is still a thing. Like, it just blows my mind. Like, and, and that's coming from me, who says a lot of stuff I should not say. A lot. But, like, even when we fail, <laughs> almost too much. <laughs> but, like, even when we first started doing this, like, I remember one of the first things that was said was, like, hey, man, do a deep dive on your social media, clean yep. up some stuff. I spent four and a half hours. Did you really? Four, and I didn't even get to some of it, and I, I hope I probably should have said that, but, like, yeah, four and a half hours of because I've done comedy for seven years, and, and right. this is like going back to like when I first started doing comedy, and I was trying to be edgy, and not to mention all the times I was probably drunk and like saying stuff that I should. But like, no one's. I have like seven hundred followers. No one cares. But I remember like I went down to deep dive on, and it was like the worst game of Family Feud ever. It was like you're sitting there, you're typing in a bad word, and you're like, oh, big bucks, no whammies, and then just nonstop. But like. Yeah, man. Like, also, who's his agent? How has somebody else not done this for him? Seriously. Yeah. Apparently, though, like they went and did this, but somebody had already dug up these tweets before they had wiped them clean. Ugh. So that's how you know, at least the the ones that had the racial slurs in them. And not- it sounded, to be fair, like he was he was quoting, quoting a rap lyric. I mean, he's from Wyoming. I'm not sure if he's ever, you know, really like even heard really good rap even i don't know i don't know what he was doing i don't so like I, they, I, I, they get music up there it's not like do they like, it's not an amish country like what do you i thought they were just hanging out with elk all day shooting skeet that fly sounds fishing. fun actually that sounds awful that sounds great i've heard, <laughs> but, I've heard really good things about laramie though laramie's a fun town sure absolutely yeah. but either way it was like dude what are you doing like even if you're in wyoming like you know you can't say you can't say that word. Can't say that. Yeah, he's gonna have a couple of awkward conversations when he gets into that locker room. Gonna have some explaining to do. I mean, yeah, that's that's the world we live in today. Like it or not, the Dante DiVincenzo stuff that came out after the national championship. Oh, that was bad. If if you're if you're a college athlete, if you're a human being, just just go back and go through all your 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 social media history, or just don't do it in the first place. That's probably the better way to do it. But yeah. I'm getting too preachy. We should have gone into this because if anybody looks at mine, it's probably some bad stuff. Yeah, it's probably some really bad stuff. Josh Allen was a star of the way too early mock drafts last year. I actually went back and looked looked at some of the way too early mock drafts from last year. Surprisingly accurate. Mink. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick uh, was somebody that Todd McShay had coming off the board at number 10 to the Dolphins, and he went off the board at number 11 to the Dolphins. Oh, wow. Crazy accuracy. So yeah. take them for what they are. Congrats, They're... I got one right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he had like 11 first-rounders right. Not in the exact spot, but just 11 you see, of the 32. See, it just 32. blows my mind. That, like, that is that's something that's like an actual job for somebody. That's he like, hates it. I, I doubt it, because I, I bet he doesn't hate that paycheck. I mean, it's like, it's like being just like a like a even worse weatherman. Like, you just... People are, like, are definitely invested to what you have to say, and they, they're constantly talking about it, and you don't even have to be right. Isn't that a great thing, though? I mean, yeah, that sounds awesome. I hate to say it, but that's it's a little like bit you. of what I do. Yeah, yeah exactly. I was going to say, after, after that comment about Odell Beckham, I mean, geez, good Lord. Yeah. It's way too early mock draft season, which is a great season. 
because it means we get some guys who, yeah, we expect to be on there. I think Drew Locke was somebody who I expected to be on mock drafts, many mock drafts. He was on every single one that I right. could find. I mean, I, I looked, I went deep. I, I searched multiple pages of, of, of like the news tab on 2019 mock draft. Yeah. And I, he was everywhere. He was everywhere from like number four overall, I think to number 32 to the Patriots. I mean, that's that's the type of buzz that he's going to get. I don't think he'll get. be he'll, I mean, first off, he's not going to go to the Patriots because they've already got Danny Etling. So it's like right. Good point. I mean, I don't think he's going to last that long. But yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, again, the man threw for forty touchdowns last year. Forty-four to be exact. Single 44. season SEC record. Yeah, pretty impressive. The the thing that it actually means though, it it doesn't mean that they're going to be a first round pick, obviously, but it just means that everybody's going to know who you are if you right. are a consensus guy. It says to the world, you are worth watching when you're playing that random game at 11 a.m. on a Saturday against Central Connecticut or whoever. We're going to pick you apart. And he's going to go through that because he has put himself in position to be this household name because yeah. of the numbers that he put up last year and what he did down the stretch. And now, luckily, he's got Derek Dooley as his offensive coordinator. So, like, what could go wrong? Exactly. What has Derek Dooley ever messed up in, SEC, in the SEC? Right. Nothing. No. I, I can't nothing. think of anything. Fashion. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah, didn't he have those weird colored pants? And... Those, the hardest, like the hardest crease and the hardest pleats imaginable. Is he going to get some, uh, some checkered ones from Mizzou? That's why I kept talking about this. Yeah, we did. We did. I brought, okay. it, up, I brought it up almost too many times. <laughs> We're circling the wagons on Derek Dooley. We'll move on from him. But Locke is going to be fun to watch, though, because he has this first-round buzz the entire year. And he has this buzz, I think, in part because – quarterback class isn't very good or at least it doesn't what? look like oh it's it. two years from now that's gonna be good it's it, yeah it's at least two years from now and from and, and two are gonna be coming off the board yeah for 2019 i mean some of the names that are being thrown out there in the way too early mock drafts besides lock justin herbert from oregon will greer of course former florida legend yeah i can see that one former Ole Miss legend Shea patterson who has an entire new offense to learn and an entire new that would be incredible for him to I mean, so he he played four games his freshman year mm-hmm. in like mop up duty, and then and he then played like six, six his, or seven. Yeah, his and like and to be honest, like I saw the numbers he put up, but I only I got to see like the the one from like it's Bama like start to finish because they weren't on TV that much, and then he's out for the rest of the year for that. I think it was I think it might have been seven or eight. I think it was eight, and then he's gone. He's going to Michigan. So you how, you have what like less than one full season of game tape. Yeah, but I think it's a lot of the fact that he, when he came up as, you know, you come up as a five-star recruit, and if as long as you don't ruin that hype and give people a reason to back off of that hype, then people are still going to assume that the potential is sky high. Jacob Eason, in my opinion, gave people a reason to back off that five-star hype and realize that really? he's not maybe, yeah, I mean, the season that he had at Georgia was His freshman year? Best. He's a true freshman. Doesn't they were matter. mediocre at best. They went eight and five. Look what Jake Fromm did as a true freshman. Look what Tua did as a true freshman. It doesn't okay. matter in today's college football if you're a true so freshman. Say, look what Tua did as a true freshman. Yeah, won the national championship. <laughs> he played in the half. Yeah, I would argue that Jalen probably had a better. I mean, like he had Jalen more pieces around him. There you go. He had it's more fine. pieces around him. I mean, I mean, like, you look at the numbers they had. Michelle and and like and and Chubb. Their their numbers were down from the year before. They were eight and five. They lost to everybody. They lost to every single one of their rivals. Yeah, which is a pretty tough They also look. Tech and Vanderbilt at home. I mean, I, I think that kid, he needs to get into a better system. And once he does, I think he's going to the perfect one in Washington where he can sit out this year, he'll start next year. And, you know, under Peterson, I, I think he's I think he's going to be great. He could be. I, I hope he is. But he he gave people a reason to back off the hype. You're not seeing Jacob Eason on, in mock drafts. Yeah, I but at the same – well, he's not eligible next year. He's sitting out of here. Because he's sitting. Oh yeah, he's sitting out of here. Oh, that's so, probably a good reason that he's not yeah. trust that. <laughs> and also, also like if you look at it, and I say this like we brought this up with with Jalen earlier, and you look at it and, like you know what if he's one second away from like Deshaun Watson win that game, you know what what's his legend after that? Keep in mind that like Georgia early on, this is their first year under Kirby Smart. They're playing Tennessee at home at a three thirty game, the first week in October, and he threw one of the hardest footballs I have ever seen in my entire life where he threw it from the right hash into the left corner of the end zone to Riley Ridley for the go-ahead score with, like, less than a minute to go against Tennessee. The stupid Hail Mary. Because <laughs> they couldn't figure out, oh, God. But, I mean, like, so if, if that game doesn't end, for, first off, they got, like, 30 yards in penalties 
already. So they, I think Tennessee started after the kickoff like on their own 40 or on Georgia's 40, and they throw that Hail Mary, and Lorenzo Carter just stood still the whole time. Like, if that doesn't happen, well, yeah, then, then what's his, you know, what's his legend there? He lost think, his job from injury, and that's something that, like, almost every single coach at any level says, like, you shouldn't happen. I think he's going to be fine. But it's college football. College football is the one maybe exception to the rule, I think, in that in that regard. Well, you also said you hate video games. I feel like you're just going to disagree with me today. I didn't say I hate video games. I said they're overrated as a whole. They're blowing up right now. Video games, esports video games are, are blowing. Their video games are esports. always... Esports are huge Oh, yeah, they're building right arenas. Yeah, you're probably I know, right, that's, though. That's yeah, what I'm saying. Probably, they're blowing up. You know, they just drafted full teams. That's what I'm saying. They're that's blowing crazy. up. I don't agree with it, but they are. Whatever. What are you going to do? Do something productive with your life. By, like, listen to this podcast. The one big, 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 big surprise, and this was just a reflection of the way too early mock drafts and what they actually are. I love me some Nick Fitzgerald. I think he's a great college quarterback. But Bleacher Reports, Matt Miller had Nick Fitzgerald coming off the board in the first round of his mock draft. And yeah. that is stunning. I was shocked to see that. And then they had the kid from Northwestern who I've never Dorsen. even heard of. He was also a first-round pick. Yeah, I mean, like, I the Nick Fitzgerald thing was, I, I mean, I was surprised. But, I mean, yeah, maybe he's, how tall is Nick Fitzgerald? Tall enough. There, wow, I don't know why you said it like that. That was weird. 6'5". I think he's 6'5". <laughs> he's, yeah, I mean, so he's got, like, the body size or the body type for it. I mean, yeah, I'm trying to make a case for it. It's It'll be interesting to see. He's hey, not I think accurate it's just, enough. It's not, it's not saying that he's not good enough to be, like, to, to work into that. Now, I will say I would feel a lot better of him, like, having that kind of mindset working into his final year, like, for the full off season to work on those things. You know, go into, like, the, the Manning passing camp or whatever and, like, doing all those, like, things, like, in the summer. But he's hurt and still trying to, you know, rehab from that. I, I man, like that's. I think it, I'm not saying it's incorrect. I think it's it just it it's really took me <laughs> took me by surprise. Yeah, I, I'm gonna say it's incorrect. I'll I'll, okay. bet, I'll bet the farm on Nick Fitzgerald not being a first round pick. As much okay. as I think the kid is great, and I think he is going to like we like we argued earlier, he's gonna go down with probably the record for the SEC record for rushing yards for a quarterback. I mean he's he's gonna get a lot of things his senior year, especially with Joe Moorhead. I've talked up Joe Moorhead all this time, right. but you gotta be accurate. I mean you gotta have be able to stretch the field a little bit and he hasn't been able to do that throughout his career. What makes besides his size and his rushing touchdowns, what makes us think that he's gonna be able to succeed at the next level? Yeah, I can see that. I don't know. That, that's, but that just kind of reflects what mock drafts are. And you basically, I, I feel bad because these guys admit, okay, I haven't had enough time to look at all these guys' film. I've been breaking down this year's draft class. So what they do is they just look at the best returning guys. And if they have size, right. they're gonna put them on there and they're gonna put them in the first round. I remember a couple years ago, Mitch Leidner was on the way too early mock draft for Todd McShay and he got ripped for that. Yeah, Mitch Leidner as was Minnesota's quarterback. And he was like the 12th best quarterback in the Big Ten. And it was unbelievable. Like I, I that was the most stunning first round mock draft thing, person I've ever seen in there. Um, I mean, he might have, like he probably should have lost his job. But way too early mock draft season. Mock drafts are flowing. Life is good. What else are you going to do all summer? You know, just look at uh, mock drafts, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm gonna look up Julio Jones stats. That's what I'm gonna do. Oh, jeez. Matt Ryan is trash. That's really. Do what you know? This comes you know that Julio to. in 2016 when he when he was uh, the, the Super Bowl run, he was third overall on the NFL top 100. I, I love Julio Jones. There. Don't get me wrong. I just think he's the number three receiver in the NFL. What's so what's so wrong with that? Anyway, we got time for one more thing here. For our summer thing. activities. All right, real quick. What I'm going to do with my summer activities, we're going to go to media days. That's going to be fun. Hopefully go on vacation somewhere. i got my birthday coming up on Saturday, so that's pretty pretty exciting. Mine's coming up on Thursday. So oh, saying, yeah, that's it's, right. It's what are you doing for week. yours? That's ah, a good question. I think I'm going to get some ribs. That sounds really good to me. Is that is that a – like that's the thing I'm looking forward to. I just want to eat ribs. Do you, know you know what I'm doing? <laughs> You're getting a bouncy house. A boxing bouncy house. My girlfriend rented it for me. I'm pretty effing pumped. Oh, oh wait. So you're going to box in it so that makes it socially acceptable? No, I, I, I would bounce. get a bouncy house either way. But have you ever seen the movie Blank Check? It's one of the greatest oh, of movies course. of all time. So, yeah. Yes. He gets a so, million dollars and then pretty much owns the world. Right. That that part was a little bit unreasonable. Yeah, a million dollars doesn't go. Also, like, it's totally really weird that, that undercover FBI agent was like kind of down. Like, and, and that that like thirty five year old woman wants to date the kid. What? That's what I just said. <laughs> oh, oh, down. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. Um, also, fun fact: she was the uh, one of the bad guys in Dumb and Dumber. Didn't think about that. Anyway, regardless, Blank Check is one of my favorite movies. I, I haven't had the best birthday the past two years. Just 
just for whatever reason. So I, my girlfriend asked like what I wanted to do for my birthday. She's like, do you want to go play golf? And like my friends want to play golf. And I'm terrible at golf. So I was like, no, I don't want to go do something for four and a half hours that I'm not good at. So we got a bouncy house and a bunch of Coors Original, and we're going to gamble on the Kentucky Derby. It's going to be like the best day ever for me. You have Cinco de Mayo. That's Cinco that's de Marler. Cool. Oh, wow. Boom! Sure you, you came up with that when you were like 18. And 19, yeah. Was, I, wish, I wish I never did. That's, that's, that's spot on from you. That was good. That's funny. <laughs> I don't think, is it officially summer? I, I mean, I guess it no. is in the college football world because we don't have any draft. We don't have any more spring football. Yeah. I guess it's summer. So we're going to call it summer. I live in Orlando, so it's summer all the time. Favorite summer activities real quick. Swimming with a shirt on. Oh, that's really sad. <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh, okay. Favorite summer activities? I'll, I'll get it started. I've got yeah. pretending like I'm going to go to the pool, but really staying inside in the AC because it's like 95 degrees out. That is a good one. I sweat yeah. profusely. I have hyperhidrosis, so I sweat all that the time. It is gross. It's, well, um, it's a family condition, so I don't, you don't have to say it like that, but it's like, sorry, you know, I can't control it. What I'm, I love, I, mine is, what, I'm trying to think, patio drinking. That's a good one. That's a good that's, one. I mean, I love being on a patio in the summer. It's the best. Yeah. yeah. Um, what about going to the beach and getting the weirdest sunburns because you are not that great? Well, <gasps> I should say, I shouldn't say you. I am not that great no. at putting on sunscreen. I got a second degree burn sunburn when I was 15 when I was down in Florida for a baseball tournament because I grew up like on, on the swim team. So it's like I was in the sun all summer long and I just assumed that I tanned. No. Don't. Fun fact, I don't. And uh, I went out all day without any kind of sunscreen at all and then decided with like the last hour of the day to put like zero SPF tanning oil on. Oh, no. It was awful. And that's how I found out I was allergic to aloe vera, which is the worst way you could find that out. That is because it's everywhere. Yeah. So, yeah, I love the beach. I hate sand, but I love the beach. All right. All right. That's pretty cool. Okay. Fun, fun little story. I also like setting my AC to 70 degrees and watch it struggle to get to 72 because we get a lot of natural light in here. And okay. it's, it's tough for the AC to get down that low. Wow. It's, it grinds. It, it really Very works really hard. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's one of my favorite things to do. When you live in Orlando, you, you get pretty used to it and yeah. because it's just, it's so freaking hot when, when June rolls around. So that to me, that's that's something I enjoy and yeah. definitely don't get frustrated with at all. I mean, I, baseball games, I like going, I like going to those. Baseball um, games are cool. But it's like, like the summer for me is like a constant struggle of trying to figure out what, like how many different shirts I need to bring to something, what... What, what are you going to sweat through? It, that's, that's not a joke. Like, it's, it's really what it is. Like, it's, it's just the, the absolute worst. 90% of my shirts now are dry fit. You just have to. Yeah. Be. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's probably what I have to go to sometime soon. Yeah. I love aquatic trick shots from college football players. Speaking of Jacob Eason, Jacob yeah. Eason and Isaac Nada last year, that one was pretty cool. Uh, Nick Starkle had one a couple years ago that was pretty Just sweet. aquatic trick shots. Just aquatic trick shots. Whether yeah. they're like on a jet ski and throwing to somebody and... And they make like a really like they throw it like a mile away right. and they somehow come down with it while they're, you know, wakeboarding or something like that. I am here for those. I will watch all of those all summer. Are you you come off as a person that I, I'm just going to say it and I, I think I'm probably spot on with this. Are you a Jimmy Buffett fan? Nah. OK, I good. Get to, I get, I'm, I'm actually I'm like Baker Mayfield. I, I would surprise you that I'm actually kind of in the middle on that. OK, there you I go. can go either way. Yeah, I'm not. That's that's one of my least favorite things of the summer. OK. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, Last favorite thing, number one thing all summer, Arnold Palmer. The greatest beverage that has ever been invented. <coughs> okay. Arnold Palmer. Uh, vodka soda, splash of crayon. Splash of crayon? Oh, yeah. Got some flavor in there. Oh, I was thinking crayon, not uh, cranberry. You thought, you thought that I meant... You're a bartender. A... You're talking in bartender language. I can't go... My mind doesn't work that quick. Cranberry? I thought like crayon, like a, a you red thought, crayon. You thought I meant like putting a, a crayon, like an actual color, color and crayon in, the, in my drink. I don't know if you do you these things. Mind. Anyway, yeah, I'm not a big fan of the Arnold Palmer. It's it's a little what? too sweet for me. Yeah, it's a little too sweet. I'm not a big fan of sweet tea. I know it's gonna like shock some people, but it's just like what? See, sweet tea is, in my opinion, it's delicious to have like you know every once in a while. And like my family lives in Columbia, South Carolina now. There's this place called Palmetto Pig Barbecue. It's like the best sweet tea I've ever had. But then I started noticing a while back like and it just pisses me off is that like anybody's like oh that's the best sweet tea you'll ever have. It just means there's more sugar. That's all it means. Yeah, there's a, a, a bunch of sugar in it. That's it. I could drink Arnold Palmer all day. And another my, thing my about about the beach but... and the sand, why do they have those damn showers off the beach have like the worst water pressure in the history of the world? I'm trying to get clean here and then I'm just tracking just sand Everywhere I go, the rest of the trip, hate it. 
Another frustration. On that one. Yeah, I'm glad, on I could, one. I'm glad I could get this off my chest. Good, good. This is a good pre-summer episode. I'm sure yeah. our listeners absolutely enjoy hearing your fire takes about <laughs> water pressure on the side showers. We're going to wrap up with some it might mean too much. We're going to talk about a guy who isn't in the SEC, but is very much a fixture in the SEC. It's Dabo Sweeney. And we have not one, not two, but three things that Dabo did in the last week that suggests that, well, maybe he wants a little piece of the action. Maybe he, maybe the SEC just means a little bit too much to him. Right. Just saying. So the first thing here, uh, I saw this, uh, I actually saw this right before we were recording this. Uh, so he's at the, the Chick-fil-A Celebrity Golf Tournament, the Chick- Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl Celebrity Golf Tournament. Last year, Dabo, somebody did like an exploding golf ball trick on him where he goes, gets up to the tee, and Dabo gets up there and his golf ball explodes. Dabo has a little Dabo laugh, whatever. All fun and games. So yeah. this year, Dabo decides he is going to do that to someone else. He does it to none other than Dan Mullen. And Dan Mullen, golf ball explodes. Can't believe it. It's like, Dabo, what are you doing to me, man? This is ridiculous. You're such a prankster. Dabo apparently just wants to beat Florida and just wants to beat the SEC. And that's why he's doing these little these little pranks to get in their heads. So that's one thing. Might mean too much. Another thing. Dabo, last, or this past weekend, was inducted into the Alabama Hall of Fame. Our good friend Paul Feinbaum was there. I think he was like the the MC of the event. And he said that he is putting chips on the table for the long shot bet that Dabo Sweeney is the guy to replace Nick Saban. And that once, he used to not think that it could ever happen, but after seeing the way that Dabo was embraced by Alabama and just seeing the way that he kind of lit up and interacted with the community there, he's saying, you know what? Paul Feinbaum said, I can see this happening, and I'm not, I'm not going to rule this out at all. So, just saying, wants to get a little piece of the action, wants to come to the SEC, like loves a little SEC affection. That's just the way that Dabo rolls. One other thing, Dabo last week says he would absolutely love to see the Clemson-Georgia rivalry renewed. Yes. They used to play every year. It's awesome. College football fans would love it. They're like Dabo. an hour away from each other. That would be Dabo's, okay, because they play South Carolina every year as well. So he'd be playing two SEC teams every single year before the postseason. Dabo, if it means so much to you, why don't you just join the SEC, man? Well, I don't know if we need that to happen. But no, I would love to see that rivalry. I mean, like, maybe not every year, because that is unfair that to play Carolina and Georgia. It it wouldn't be every year, because actually both schools have future home-and-homes set up with Notre Dame. Okay. Clemson's got a bunch of them. Like Clemson's got well, they're one in the scheduled same for 2039. They're not in the same conference, Danny Cannell. Notre Dame is not in the ACC like he I'm just claimed. saying that's why they haven't set up. I went to, uh, like, one of the best days of my life a couple years ago, I went to the Georgia-Bama game in Athens, drove there from Clemson. The girl I was dating at the time, her, like, that's where she went. And so they go to, like, one game a year, went to the Athens that morning, saw that game. It was, like, a torrential downpour, drove straight from Athens to Clemson, got there right at halftime, and just walked in for free. Got to watch the second half of Clemson-Notre Dame. That's pretty sweet. That's a pretty awesome That's pretty day. Sweet. I mean, yeah, I think sweet. like I like that. I think it'd be awesome. I, a Clemson, a Clemson Georgia matchup would be great. Absolutely great. Uh, the only thing that would really that would that could somehow make this not into like what we think it could be would be if all of a sudden Clemson just has this mass exodus and Clemson all of a sudden falls off the face of the earth. Right. Which. You know, they're going to have a big change in guard after next year, but yeah. I don't see that happening. It's no, their mean, recruiting classes, I mean, like, they, they, they're ridiculous. I think they're going to be fine. They signed two yeah. or three guys in the top 10 last year of the, of the country. I mean, what I would like to see is something almost like what they do early on in the season uh, for college basketball, which is like the Big Ten ACC Challenge mm-hmm. or the SEC Big 12 yep. Challenge, and just kind of like a rotation where, like, you know, not necessarily where you're playing a team that's equal to you. Like, because it would be kind of unfair, like the middle of the road teams, you know, like I'd like to see, like, I, I would like to see, you know, a Georgia, Ohio State or a Bama, Michigan or like stuff like that. Like you wouldn't want to have it like be like Bama, Purdue and Arkansas, Ohio State, but like something where it'd be competitive and and good for like both conferences and, and college football as a whole. I think that you should be the new commissioner of college football, the position that isn't in existence yet, but could. Yeah, be. I would love that. I've got yeah. some good ideas. That's That's just one of them. Yeah. We could make, uh, what, what did you call it before? Vodka Cran available at every vodka, stadium? Vodka Soda Splash Cran. Also, we could finally implement my brilliant idea with a uh, group of five schools and just have, if we're not going to include them in the playoffs, just have them have an all-star team and travel around with the Harlem Globetrotters and play uh, Power Five teams. I'm sure their coaches would absolutely love that. They would. You're welcome. Not so much. We'll wrap up with one final note. It is birthday week, and... 
I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna ask our listeners for one little present, and that's just a little little five-star review. Little throw I like little that. five-star review. That's that's all I'm asking for. I'm not a I'm not a high maintenance guy. I'm not gonna get a bouncy house for my birthday like some people Rude. I know. Yeah, whatever. It's actually gonna looks pretty cool and I wish it's gonna be there. awesome. Yeah, if, if it wasn't six hours, I would maybe think about driving out. <laughs> but yeah, that's all we want for our birthday. It's just Throw a little five-star review in there. Get on iTunes. Go subscribe to us. Yeah. Go follow us on Twitter. I promise, like, we're going to start tweeting out more of the it might mean too much, maybe a little rap poison. Oh, did you see I tweeted out today uh, the little uh, Return of the Mac with Jim McElwain yes. wearing a beret in France. Oh, my goodness. He's wearing a beret, and I'm I just, I, we're going to have to start calling him Fatatouille because he looks ridiculous. <laughs> he, I mean, he looks absolutely ridiculous. He's big boned. He's we've fat. never seen we've never seen Jim McElwain without a shirt. Contrary to what that shark picture said, we he has have no idea what he's got on shark there. teeth, and he's yeah. Oh, return to the back is glorious. Anyways, thank you guys for listening. We appreciate you as always. Make sure to follow us on all social media at uh, C Marler Comedian. You still going by that? Yeah, I'm gonna change it soon. But just Chris right, Marler, find that, yes, and then, uh, and then make sure you check out the uh, Facebook Live every Tuesday night on Facebook at seven o'clock on SDS's uh, Facebook. All right, and just remember, as always, it might mean too much. It might mean too much. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. Great.